This is a broadcast from Salmon Coast Field Station. I'm your host, Claire Atkinson. Salmon Coast is a nonprofit field station and a hub for coastal research located in the territories of the Kwikwasut Inuch Hachwamis First Nation. We can be found deep in the Broughton Archipelago near Echo Bay, British Columbia. Salmon Coast supports innovative research, public education, community outreach, and ecosystem awareness to achieve lasting conservation measures for the lands and waters of the Broughton Archipelago and surrounding areas. The 20-year anniversary of Salmon Coast's Wild Salmon Monitoring Program was an opportunity to appreciate the passionate people who are part of our vibrant research community. In this series of podcasts, I talk with both scientists and artists about their experiences at Salmon Coast and the exciting projects they're working on now. In this episode, I speak with Megan Adams, who did her undergraduate honors research at Salmon Coast before completing a PhD as a Hakai Raincoast Scholar in Applied Conservation at the University of Victoria. In close collaboration with the Uikanu Nation, her thesis work monitored bear salmon systems to investigate how people and bears can share salmon. Megan is now working on a postdoc in the Conservation Decisions Lab, led by Dr. Tara Martin at the University of British Columbia. Here, we chat about her perspective on conservation research, her journey from Salmon Coast field days to virtual postdocs, and why community-based work is richer for everyone involved. So maybe I'll I'll start actually by just asking you what brought you to Salmon Coast and what work you were doing at the station. Mm-hmm. Um, I was <clears throat> a student of John Volpe's at UVic. And yeah, I had been taking a third year class with him and he, I was on my last co-op term. And I had done wildlife with Parks Canada and community-led forestry in Smithers at this like, community research station. And then I had done sort of outdoor education with the backcountry YMCA. And I was like, what's like the last term? What's it going to be? And I, I've always loved fish because my dad loves fish. And, and so I went to talk to John and he was like, okay, we're going to apply for an undergrad grant. We're going to get you up to Salmon Coast. You can be my research assistant and Alex Morton's research assistant will split you and like, just let's go. And I was like, who's Alex Morton? (laughs) Where is the Broughton Archipelago? You know, I was just, I'm from the Rockies originally. So um, it's all because of John and I did sea life surveys at the time for Marty's doctoral work and then Alex's surveys, which the station now continues. And then I also was helping John with a pilot project looking at evidence for rapid evolution in pinks um, from sort of the farm gauntlet. So we looked at more fault, yeah, body, body traits, fork length and width and all that stuff. Um, for fish from five different rivers with different uh, farm exposures oh, and just wow. tracked how they, how they grew out over a three month period. 
So I had to row to a little dock in Billy's Bay five times a day, I think four times a day to feed the fish. And in one of those rounds, I would collect the fish and measure them and I had to kill them. Uh, and, and that is also how I became pretty close with Billy because he was like, who's this kid rowing in my bay every day, all the time? <laughs> and that was in 2008. And what, what about what you're doing now? Can you talk about what work you're doing and what you're interested in these days? Sure. Um, I'm always interested in, I say, salmon subsidized systems. So ecology that sort of directly involves salmon or um, sort of is one linkage removed. So I worked on bears for a long time and salmon and diet for bears. Um, I'm also really interested in anything that is community driven, um, especially through and or for uh, Indigenous governments. Um, I think as an applied scientist, that's kind of like the target decision maker I want to be collaborating with um, and designing my work for. And so right now I'm working on a regional cumulative effects assessment for Pacific salmon and other species that depend on salmon as well as herring on the central coast with three nations. And it's a postdoc through the UBC Conservation Decisions Lab. Wow. Which nations are those? The Oikino, um, the Nuhalk, and the Kirisuheges on the cool. Central Coast. Yeah. Did that interest in community-driven uh, research and like truly collaborative research, did that start at all at Salmon Coast? Or was it kind of after that you were introduced to those ideas? Well, I think, you know, it actually started before Salmon Coast and Smithers at the mm. Bulkley Valley Research Center, which is a highly collaborative uh, forestry group that works really closely with government and academia, um, probably increasingly with Indigenous governments. Um, and while I was in the North, I also had the opportunity to see you know, the Skeena Fisheries Commission in action and sort of all that wonderful organization that comes out of the north. Um, yeah, so then by, by the time I got to to Salmon Coast, it was just, I was ready for it, you know, like everything that Billy had taught Alex, that Alex had taught Marty informed how they had designed their, not just their hypotheses, but their research logistics, like taking into account weather patterns and tides and yeah, I just thought that the incorporation of local knowledge was was incredible. Um, and then I think my sort of first direct experience with Indigenous governments was working on a contract for the Haida Nation in Guayanas, mm. sort of while I was a salmon coaster in those like five years that I was really involved at the station. Mm -hmm. So can I ask just um, directly like, how uh how you would say salmon coast has influenced the work you do today like on the whole mm -hmm. you can kind of talk about any aspect you want mm -hmm. i think you know when i when i showed up at the station i was meeting people who were so excited about their work 
believed in it so fiercely, but were also so grounded in uh, ecological theory and in sound methodology. I remember Marty giving a presentation on why the ecological detective like shaped his life. And then later that night, you know, playing music until one in the morning with him and Glenna. <laughs> it was just like this um, very holistic experience. And so I think that's the other thing that Sam and Coast did for me. Uh, Glenna was really artistic and really musical. Jenny Shine brought this like incredible artistic, um, yeah, or like artist process uh, to, to what went on at the station. And so I think it taught me that um, I can be a scientist and conduct field work and still have this like holistic, rich, beautiful life, um, mm. which sounds obvious, but that, yeah. Um, I remember sitting at the table and looking down the table and all these guests were visiting some sort of conference Marty had convened. <laughs> and there were, you know, people who had written textbooks I was reading in my undergrad at the oh. table. Um, and everyone was so happy and passionate and, um, yeah, people like care about, protect what they love. People love salmon and that's always stayed with me for sure. And one thing about Salmon Coast is it really brings together a diversity of people. There's people from all these different backgrounds. They're from different disciplines and sub-disciplines and at different stages in their work. Um, mm -hmm. How do you, do you see that as being kind of important for a research environment to have that diversity mm -hmm. all mixed together? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think, you know, and I think we could have even more, like I think about like having, I mean, I know Salmon Coast is a scientific field station, but I think having more artists would be interesting um, or, or even folks from other, other disciplines, um, archaeology or um, yeah, sociology. I don't know. It's so interesting thinking about all the things that Echo Bay um, brings up and out as like a settler settlement in yeah. what is otherwise a very like obviously occupied indigenous territory. Um, but now I'm going off track. Let me think. No, that's here. okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, as a young uh undergrad researcher I also did my honors the next summer at Salmon Coast um, I was able to share ideas over food with postdocs and professors and graduate students and it was awesome <laughs> for for me and I think that now that I'm a postdoc when I interact with sort of other folks in the hierarchy of academia um, it's always beneficial yeah. And then when you, it's always beneficial. And then when you throw in like um, sharing meals and living space, it's like even more rich, mm. quite fertile. Yeah. Do you try to kind of um, incorporate those more informal moments in your research relationships now, just because you know, they're like kind of generative? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's hard now with a, uh, my postdoc is much more like planning 
mm. focused. Um, it's not, there's no field work. It's all like sort of mapping and modeling. Um, but in my PhD, certainly I, um, you know, I moved to the place I worked for two straight months and lots of community dinners and lots of sort of process benefits <laughs> around you're there to do the work, but you're also there and you've got a bunch of capacity to do other things for the place that you're at. I, yeah. I think that's one thing that really began in me and has continued as I've worked now mostly with indigenous communities as researchers from a way benefiting immensely from the opportunity to do research we have to ask ourselves like what can we do for the place that we've come to and mm. salmon coast and alex and billy you know what are you going to do for my home what are you going to do for these fish uh and i think it's all about centering community and decentering the academy and mm. in echo bay every friday we played soccer with those kids you know when the school was still open um there were certain traditions that we always were part of because we were called to participate as broader community members. And I think, yeah, I think that's like a, a constant question that Salmon Coast really taught me to ask myself. It's like, how am I serving this place? Mm. Not how is this research serving me? And do you think that that's kind of a quality of having the station planted in that one place like it's not a project that has just come there and has a timeline and a conclusion and will leave like it is a, an actual constructed place that mm -hmm. kind of invites research and like invites invites uh transient relationships but it also um kind of is like this obligate it, it like breeds this sense of like accountability yeah I guess that's the best word for it yeah sorry to interrupt you no 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 um yeah it um came about pretty organically for a for a, a pretty specific need but with a general enough mandate in terms of serving salmon and salmon ecosystems that um it there's room for it to be generative which is which is amazing. And I think that goes back actually to what we were just talking about before. Like you're not there to better yourself. You're there to serve the fish. Mm. And so, yeah, I think that leads to accountability, which leads to trust, which leads to relationships, which leads to new ideas, which leads to more interesting work grounded in place. Yeah. like place-based work. And taking that like a level up, what do you see to be the the really broad scale impact of that community based research hmm. from the station yeah or i mean like the station i guess specifically but maybe even just in general like community based conservation research you're you're doing that in mm -hmm. other places as well now mhm mm i think that um you know, as a, as a settler and a participant in a settler institution, which is academia, and also a settler that's participant in institutions that are environmental organizations, the time has come 
to listen to what local people know and what local people want because we're running out of time to come up with ways to work with species on the ground. And you can love big trees or love salmon all you want and be from away and have no idea if the work you do will actually move the needle or pull the lever or whatever we want to say um, mm. that means affecting change. And people on the ground usually know. <laughs> and um, I think I think that the sort of, yeah, we are entering a new era of um, reflexivity in academia and in the nonprofit world where what we think and what we want to do might not be best. And we actually might start to be recognizing that <laughs> for a change um, as opposed to a model that was like, you know, pretty colonial in its nature, pretty projecting. Yeah. And arrogant um, at times. Totally. Yeah. And not grounded in local nuance. Sort of relates to what we're talking about. I was going to ask you about how your perspective on research and or science changed through your experiences at Salmon Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, until I went to Salmon Coast, never felt like what I did had, as a researcher, um, had consequence. I'd never been mm. so close to information that could pull a lever um, yeah, it was just so immediate. And so I, I think after my time at Salmon Coast, I would never consider doing work that was not applied. I went to Bamfield for the football program right after Salmon Coast and everyone was doing like, I don't know, all these beautiful natural history experiments. And I was like, does eelgrass grow in log boom sediment? It's <laughs> <laughs> just like, what are we going to do in the real world? And not just like all of that applied work is built on this beautiful foundation of of theoretical work and work grounded in natural history. Um, so I'm not trying to like, but for me, I knew that that was a type of work I wanted to do after mm -hmm. the time I spent at the station. Mm -hmm. I think it did not related, but I just feel like I want to put this on the record wherever yeah. you squeeze it in. Salmon Coast gave me highly practical skills. Yes. Like I, I learned how to operate a boat in the ocean. Mm. Um, I learned how to manage firewood. Like there's just so many things that I'm using today in my life come from the station really. So yeah, those like tactile skills. Yeah. So much capacity building. Um, Did you feel like you learned something about sustainability and those ideas, like having that kind of like micro mm -hmm. cosm of like, you can see, you, you can learn so much about like energy consumption, water consumption, Absolutely. just through living in this little kind of a closed system almost. Yeah. Scott was so committed. She was so principled to um, those things and especially our impact, like the impact of food at that time, Marty had a crew, a huge crew. There'd be like 20 people all the time at the station wow. and Glenna was cooking for everybody and she was a vegetarian chef and we didn't eat meat unless someone brought us fish and and I loved I loved that it tied in so tightly with um, all the teachings I'd had I mean we were all children of environmental studies at UVic Scott included which was a really like don't eat meat oh. kind of scene 
-hmm. terms of the energy consumption. And so fishermen would bring us fish and it was wonderful, but we didn't eat, like you just weren't allowed to bring industrial meat on site. Mm. And I miss that rule. Those principles, you know, taking it off the page in the classroom and putting it on the ground Mm. and seeing um, not just seeing it on the ground and seeing someone doing it, but living it with 20 other people for four months was Mm -hmm. very impactful for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like those experiences of like hauling firewood and understanding the energy that goes into energy in a way, like you're going to burn this fuel, but like just the, to be able to burn the fuel, like something or someone has to put a bunch of energy into transportation and processing. Those sorts of ideas have really kind of gelled for me. Yeah. And also you're kind of, you've been talking about people and I wanted to ask you about that, like the connections that you've made, whether any of them have kind of, their impact has gone beyond your time at Salmon Coast, whether just the influence or inspiration you got from people or actual relationships you still have. Hmm. I think I modeled a lot of my sort of my goals, um, yeah, my goals for like what I could carry out and over what amount of time I could do it based on Marty Krakosik and Brendan Connors PhDs, which I was able to witness. Um, I loved how they did their work. I loved how they treated their crews. Um, I loved how principled they were, but also how um, sort of badass they were as scientists, competent scientists. Um, and then, you know, I think anyone from those days that you run into now is just like, um, it's like seeing an old friend or an ally and we're everywhere. We're at conferences and we're at different universities now that we're growing up even more in different agencies. Um, and I think there's like a wonderful web there. Yeah, I've had the pleasure of co-authoring a couple papers with Salmon Coast alumni too, like Andrew Bateman and Brendan and I are working on something right now. Oh, cool. uh, Which feels really cool. You know, if you told me in 2008, I would get to write a paper with either of them, I would have been like, oh my God, no way, I could never. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Like anything, memories you have or things you're thinking about for the future? anything like that I don't know I I think sometimes like the best summer the best field work I've ever done it's even better than bear research was swimming streams which I got to do for mess and for my honors I snorkeled every coho system that mess ever enhanced and then other ones too and just like literally crawled through the broughton on my belly through these little coho creeks and it was wonderful It was the best. Yeah, I can imagine. It was sad. Some of the creeks were so affected by logging. Mm. Um, I mean, but that, I feel like what I saw that summer and what Billy taught me about the history of logging in those different watersheds, I use every day on this cumulative effects project that I'm doing. Mm. It really stays with you. Can you talk more about the cumulative effects project? Is, is, 
is it like math modeling or you're trying to build a model for how to assess cumulative effects? We're trying to build a model for how to okay. assess cumulative effects. So we're, um, we're using expert elicitation to identify th all the threats and, you know, all the threats that people, well, wait, let me start from the beginning. The nations picked the species they really had to prioritize. Like, I, I said, mm. like, we can only do four to five for you guys. <laughs> we can't do everything. So pick four. Uh, for lumps of species so you know pacific salmon old growth um yeah bears um herring seabirds and um two types of seabirds and so then we spoke with people in communities but also you know experts like marty um people with strong local knowledge um from all sorts of backgrounds to identify a history of those threats. And then if and how we could map those threats, either through people drawing on maps or publicly available data sets. And now we're mashing that all together um, and using risk assessments for each species. So like, what are all the threats? What's the severity of the threat? What's the consequence to that species at which life history? <laughs> and so it's all wow. going into a big spatial model that will eventually show an aggregation of cumulative effects per species. And what, what's drawing you to this kind of work now, rather than like traditional, kind of more traditional like field work in search of answer about system? Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of the nations that I worked with on the bear project ta are talking about cumulative effects and like I think the biggest threat salmon face is actually jurisdictional because they're mm. you know in these freshwater provincially managed environments and provincial forestry and then federal marine environments and federally managed fisheries and aquaculture and nations are left in the middle thinking holistically and don't really have like heaps of decision support tools for moving forward mm. um so yeah this is my first crack at non-field work based work and i can't say that i love it um mm. but whenever i did field work i would be like late to the boat because i was talking to people about like the wind or something or <laughs> you know parents or i don't know some bird like i love bullshitting with people who live in a place it's so interesting yeah. to me it always has been probably it all started in that rowboat <laughs> in billy's bay um and so i thought it would be like really interesting to sort of crank that up a notch and see what it meant in like a formal research setting um at the end of the day it's all like a bit reductionist for me though to be interesting <laughs> like i'm just like i don't want to box this up like i don't want to constrain this by values or yeah status categories or whatever so uh i'm glad i'm doing it but i look forward to other work in the future yeah, yeah. and i guess like it's still part of the idea of like re i don't know i guess you use the word decentering academia like kind of mm -hmm. at least like using the resources and energy that people have in academia to answer questions that are Mm -hmm. bumping around the heads of people in communities yeah absolutely mm -hmm. I always think about like 
Mm-hmm. How do we leverage this privilege that we have? Yeah. We, we need not be nepotistic. Yeah. Not exactly. to be like, I don't mean to be self-important or anything. It's just like, how do we, how do we serve the place? You've been listening to a broadcast from Salmon Coast Field Station. This podcast was produced by Amy Kamaranen and myself, Claire Atkinson. For more information about Salmon Coast, please visit salmoncoast.org. To learn more about the wonderful Megan Adams and her great work, visit meganadams.com. Thanks for listening.